0: scripture reading this morning is from Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. This reading is the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, also known as the Beatitudes. Hear the word. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of God.
1: Let us pray. O God of blessing. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The old, old hymn sings Count your many blessings, name them one by one. And we have a lot of blessings to be thankful for this time of year here. In the beautiful state of Iowa, this wonderful autumn weather, the bountiful harvest, the cacophony of fall colors. And while all those things are tremendous, these great blessings, the blessing that we can be most thankful for this morning is that on Tuesday, November 4th, the incessant election ads will be over. Can I get an amen? Now, I I never thought I'd say this, but I look forward to those annoying car insurance commercials returning, the talking geckos, and flow. (laughs) Now, it's a bit disorienting to read a text like ours today in the midst of so much campaign negativity. You can picture Jesus with this glowing smile on his face, happy. And talking to all these people, telling them all the great ways that they are blessed. And yet here we are, every commercial break filled with how cursed we are and how cursed our opponents are. Can you imagine what would happen if a super pet got a hold of the Beatitudes? Cursed are the poor in spirit for their values are destroying America. Woe to the peacemakers for they do not have the guts needed to ward off. America's enemies, don't vote for the meek. They missed over 50% of their committee meetings. (laughs) A vote for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness is a vote to bankrupt our nation. That's disorienting to read the Beatitudes, and not just because we live in a swing state. We aren't used to blessing talk about ourselves or about others. It's easy to see all that is wrong with our world and our country and those who stand against us. How could we be blessed? And Jesus' language of blessing, especially blessing those who seem to be anything but blessed, is foreign to us. Perhaps that's why we read the Beatitudes as this list of commandments, things that we must do in order to earn blessing. If we've done this, it's for good reason. Matthew, our gospel writer, wants us to think of Moses when we see Jesus this morning. Jesus climbs a mountain just like Moses did to the Israelites. Jesus delivers this great sermon on the law just like Moses did. Jesus lays out this list a lot like Moses's list of commandments. In this setting, when we hear the Beatitudes, that's what we think of. Charlton Heston giving us the Ten Commandments. And yet there are no thou shalts or thou shalt nots. But even though they're not there, I can't help but hear them. Thou shalt be poor in spirit. Thou shalt mourn. Thou shalt be persecuted for righteousness sake. In other words, if you want to be blessed, then this is what you must do. To be blessed. This is how you earn God's blessing. Be mournful. Have a pure heart. Instead of feeling blessed after reading these Beatitudes, we feel like more of a loser. Because, well, I really could be more meek, whatever that means. And am I poor in spirit enough? I'd rather avoid persecution, but Jesus says I should look for it. Seek it out. Well, go back with me, if you can, back to your fourth or fifth grade English class way, way back for some of you. (laughs) And way back there. Maybe you remember learning about sentence moods in the English language. There are three basic moods that most sentences fall under, the indicative, the imperative, and the subjunctive now, do you remember the difference, right? <laughs> well, for those of you who had to travel further back than most of us, let me remind you. Indicative sentences, these are statements of fact. Like, Des Moines is the capital of Iowa. The Stanleys will be cold this winter. <laughs> Facts. Indicative sentences are also questions. Has Marty had her baby yet? No. How many deviled eggs will we consume this afternoon at our potluck? These are indicative sentences. Imperative sentences are commands. Eat your vegetables. Don't play in the street. Party like it's 1999. Commands. Subjunctive sentences are often wishes. May you live long and prosper. Or they're conditional statements. My head I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. <laughs> conditional statements. So with that English review, I give you a pop quiz. What mood are the Beatitudes? Are they indicative? Imperative? or subjunctive. Now, I know they're in English this morning, but they were originally written in Greek, but Greek has the same moods, and Greek is very clear. The way it is written, you can tell which mood it is. So what is Jesus saying? Is he giving us an imperative statement? Be mournful, thou shalt be pure in heart. Or are they subjunctive statements? If you were meek, then you would be blessed and inherit the earth. Or the last, indicative. Statements of fact. You who are mournful, right now, you're blessed. The peacemakers are blessed people. Got your quiz filled out? So, what's the correct answer? They're indicative. Statements of fact. This is not how I read them, but this is how they are written. Now, other than a helpful review of the English language, what's the point? The point is Jesus is not laying out conditions for blessing. And he's not giving us a new set of commandments this morning that if we obey, we will earn blessing. He's simply calling people who don't believe that, that it is so, blessed. Stating facts. The mournful. You may feel like the world is ending, but you are blessed. The poor in heart, right now, blessed. The poor in spirit, yours right now, is the kingdom of heaven. All kinds of people, the ones whom the world would throw out, the last ones who would ever think they were blessed, are blessed. Not because they've earned it, not because they're worthy of it, but simply because Jesus said that it was so. Now, as ministers, when Marty and I meet someone who hasn't been to church in a while, and they find out what we do, the conversation is usually pretty similar. There's often a list of excuses, explanations. Well, I often work on Sundays. It's, it's really hard to get the kids out of bed in time. They want, to, they want us to know that they believe in God. They've got nothing against what we do. They pray probably more than most of you do. And even though they may have not stepped in church for years, they are Christian. And the assumption is always the same, that God and that us as God's ministers look down on them. They haven't been to church. Something must be wrong. We're judging them. And they have to prove to us that they are worthy of God's blessing. It's so hard to imagine that God looks at us and blesses us just as we are. Now, God, as a lawgiver, that we can picture, doling out thou shouts and thou shalt nots. But a God who just stands on the mountain and gives blessing without condition, that's hard to see. Can you imagine that God. We imagine God looking at us, wishing that we were something that we may never be, that God looks at our church and wishes that we were bigger and better. If only we were more committed, then we would be more blessed. What makes a church a blessed church? Is the largest church in town the most blessed church, the one with the nicest sanctuary, the one with the biggest budget? How do you earn God's blessing? Go to church every Sunday, tithe regularly, serve others. And then Jesus stands up on the mountain and preaches this sermon. He has good news for us today. Those of you who spend your life mourning, you are blessed. You who are poor in spirit, who haven't made it to worship in years, you are blessed. Blessed. You, the church that may not be the biggest in town, you are blessed. The unlikely, the forgotten of the world, the down and out, the ones who spend their lives wishing that their lives could change, the meek, the timid, the poor, and the poor in spirit, the one with insatiable desires for righteousness and justice, the peacemakers and the cheesemakers, you are blessed. Monty Python reference, and if you didn't get it, you're blessed. God is with you. God is proud of you, and God shows up right there where you are and everywhere, showering all with God's blessing. And even though you may think you don't have the looks or the brains, you're blessed. Even though you may think you're too old to be useful to anyone anymore, you are blessed. Even though you may think you're too young and that you'll never live up to the expectations of this world, you are blessed. Regardless of what you have or what you can buy or what you can do or what you can earn, you're blessed. Though we may not be the biggest Church in town, though our carpet may be stained and our sanctuary a bit dated, we are blessed, church. And we celebrate that blessing today. Accept God's blessing. Accept God's love. It is so hard because everything in our world tells us something different. But know this. You. You. As you are, we are the beautiful people of God. God created us. God delights in us. God is not disappointed with us. God is not cursing us. God stands before us this morning with a grin on God's face. God loves us. And God says, bless you, church. Bless you. Believe that good news. The song we're about to sing says give thanks and now let the weak say I am strong. Now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done in us. God is doing something amazing in us and we are blessed. Let us sing and give thanks for that blessing. Number five twenty eight.